Abraham is, you might say, the father of the Israeli nation, of the Jews. Okay. And Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac. And Isaac had a son whose name was Jacob. Okay, so you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had his name changed by God to Israel. Okay, so Jacob no longer is now is Israel. And Jacob had some sons. How many? Twelve. So Jacob had twelve sons. And those twelve sons represent the tribes of Israel. Very good. So we have 12 tribes of Israel. We're not going to go through them all. Um, at one point in time, there was a famine. Okay, well, let's back up one second. There was a promise made to Abraham, which was passed on to Isaac, which was passed on to Jacob, that they would inherit this chunk of land called the land of Canaan. And there are a lot of other things involved with it as well. But the land of Canaan, uh, at the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was occupied by obviously Canaanites, and then all the rest of the ites, the Perizzites, and you know, all those ites. And so the problem was that God had given this land to the Israelites, and they were to go there and remove the inhabitants from that land. Okay. So the process of them going there is involved. If you remember, at the end of the book of Genesis, what happens to the nation of Israel in the, in the end of the book of Genesis? because of a man named Joseph. They go to Egypt. Why do they go to Egypt? Famine. There's a famine in the land. There's grain in Egypt, so they go to Egypt. And God had uh, given Joseph the key to taking care of the famine. Remember that all that? Uh, Twelve or seven years of good, seven years of bad, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So they go to Egypt, and they settle in the land of Goshen, and so then we pick up the story in the book of Exodus. We meet a man named Moses, and they've been now in, in uh, Egypt for how many years? 430, 430 years, yeah, plus or minus a day. Okay, it's, and they are now being persecuted by the, the Egyptians, and why is that? Why aren't they persecuted in the beginning? Yeah, they're multiplying faster, and plus the fact the pharaoh that they originally went there under died. And so the pharaoh that came up afterwards was afraid of them, and so he began to persecute them, you know, the whole brick stall and all that stuff. And so a man named Moses, who is of the tribe of, anybody remember? Tribe of Levi. Yes. Okay, Levi. Levi, Levi's for what? what what's their job? They were the priests, right. So we have Aaron, all those guys are all from the tribe of, of Levi. So Moses is of the tribe of Levi, and God raises him up. Here, looks better on a blackboard. God raises him up to deliver them from Egypt. And so if you, if you go through the book of Exodus, eventually you get to chapter, what is it? Whatever it is. 13. Chapter 13, the Pharaoh finally has enough of all the plagues, and he tells them to leave, and they leave. 
And just before they leave, what do they, what do they celebrate? The Passover. The very first Passover celebrated in the land of Egypt. Okay. So they leave the land of Egypt and they head for the promised land. Unfortunately, the Red Sea is in the way. And so when they get there, Pharaoh comes up behind them, going to destroy them. And God parts the water and they walk across on dry land. Pharaoh and his army follows them and get wet. So now they're headed for the promised land and they go to the mountain of God where they receive the law. And they do that, you know, as they're there, that's where the, basically the rest of the book of Exodus takes place. The book of Leviticus takes place there, a lot of numbers. The law is given to the nation of Israel. Okay. The law is basically God telling them, this is how I want you, not how I want you to live, this is how you are to live. And they were to live that way so that they would be different from the people around them. They were to be unique. Okay. And while they're there, we have plans given for the tabernacle. Which you might say is the first temple, the mobile <laughs> temple. And the tabernacle was to be the place where God would meet with in this case, just Moses. Moses go, would go in, meet with God. He would come back and tell the people what God had said. Okay. So they have the tabernacle. It's basically a mobile temple, if you might say. And so when God says it's time to leave, they pack the temple up. The, the Levites do, of course. The Levites are in charge of all religious things. So the Levites pack up the, the tabernacle and carry it on to the next site. When God tells them to stop, they stop, set up the tabernacle, and they stay there until God says, time to leave again. Okay? And how did God lead them? How did they know where God was? What's that? A pillar of fire by nighttime, pillar of smoke by day. Yeah. So he had this, you know, this column of smoke going ahead of them during the daytime, column of fire at night. And when it stopped, they stopped. When it moved, they moved. <coughs> All right. So we go through those books, and we come to the book of Numbers. And, you know, these, these basically in the Bible, if you look at the first books of the Bible, they're all historic. And they're basically all chronological. Okay. The difference, well, there's some things that are out of order, but for the most part, they're chronological. Okay. So in the book of Numbers, um, God tells the... Uh, the nation of Israel, to send 12 spies into the land, spy out the land, come back, give a report. And so they go into the land, they come back, and they give a report. And what was the report? They're too big. And there were two that didn't agree with that report, and that was, anybody remember? Caleb and Joshua. All right, okay, so, well, we won't. Joshua will be important later. Caleb and Joshua. And if you remember, if you go back and when Moses would go up the mountain, Joshua would follow him up half the time and would just sit and wait for him to come back. Okay. All right, so the people grumbled and said, well, we can't do it. They're too big. They didn't have faith in God. So basically, God said, you will not enter the promised land. So that entire generation that came out of Egypt was to die in the desert. So that's why they wandered around for 40 years. 
waiting for everybody to die. And once they died, then we go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the children of the generation that came out of Egypt, and it's basically the law is restated to them, and they are being prepared to enter the promised land. Okay? Okay so far? Everybody remember all this stuff? Okay, so after the book of Deuteronomy, we come to the book of, everybody remember? Joshua. Sound familiar? There's Joshua. Okay. So by this time, Moses has died. And why did Moses die? Well, he got old, but... Disobedience. Disobedience, yeah. Remember, he was supposed to speak to a rock, and he didn't. He struck it with his staff, as he had done before, and God said, because you defamed my name, you will not enter into the promised land. He was able to go up on a mountain and see it, but he could not go in. Okay. All right, so Joshua leads the people into the, the promised land. And what happens next? There's people living there that aren't happy that the, Jews, that the Israelites arrived, and so they are to now conquer the land city by city. And God has told them, I will give you this land. So they have to believe God and do what he said. And so they aren't too good at believing God. They weren't very good in the desert. They weren't very good. I mean, their parents weren't, and the offspring aren't a whole lot better. Okay. So the book of Joshua basically involves conquering part of the land, and then we come to the book of Judges and the book of Ruth. And the book of Judges now involves basically God saying, well, you haven't been too good at believing me, so I'm going to bring people into your country to oppress you, to try to get your brain straight as to who I am and what I'm about. And so we have the book of Judges. They try to conquer more of the land. They aren't doing very well. And after the book of Judges, we start the, we get to uh, Samuel, First and Second Samuel. Samuel is the last judge. And, under, and the book of 1 Samuel deals with a king. Why did the Jews want a king? Everybody else has a king, so we want one too. Okay. They rejected God. Yep. So, so Samuel was really upset about it, and God basically said to Samuel, they have rejected me, not you. Give them what they want. And so they get a king, and the first king of Israel was Saul. And what do we know about Saul? What was his tribe? Tribe of Benjamin. What's the ruling tribe for Israel? Tribe of Judah. So Judah is where all the leaders are to come. We should put Levi over here. Levi's involved in the temple. So Judah was, the promise was given that there, there, there would always be a ruler from Judah. So we start off with Saul. So the whole book of 1 Samuel deals with the life of Saul. We get David introduced in 1 Samuel. Saul dies in the last chapter of 1 Samuel. David is king throughout the book of 2 Samuel into 1 Kings. And then we have his son becomes king whose name was Solomon. So we have Saul, David, Okay. 
What did David, what was the big thing on David's heart? What did he want to do? He wanted to build the temple. And God said, no, you have too much blood on your hands. And so his son Solomon is the one who's going to build the temple in Jerusalem. However, David was the one who was responsible for capturing the city of Jebus, which became known as Jerusalem, from the Jebusites. Jebus was the capital of the Jebusite group. And so David captured the city of Jerusalem, and it now becomes the capital city of Israel. Okay, and that was in, I got a date on that actually. Uh, It's about 10, 10 BC. This must be zero. Okay. Okay, so the tabernacle is still, it's actually in Shiloh, it's in Bethel, it's moved around a bit. The tabernacle is still supposed to be a place of worship. Solomon begins building the temple, and he completes the temple in 962 B.C. And that's all dealt with in the book of of, uh, 1 Kings. So the temple is now built. What's the importance of the temple? What's that? Yeah, the presence of the Lord. When... um, they were at, when the tabernacle was being carried through the wilderness, when they'd stop, the Lord's presence would occupy the tabernacle. When the temple was built by Solomon, the Lord's presence came into the tabernacle. It came in so strong that they couldn't worship. They had to wait. Okay. So the Lord, God's presence was present in the tabernacle in a place called the Holy of Holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant resides. So the Ark of the Covenant had these big wings, and God would reside over the mercy seat, which was the center of the ark, and that was where the priests would go to meet with God on a daily basis. Only the priests could meet with God, and that was once a year, basically. Okay, so the tabernacle is built, or the, uh, the temple is built in 962 B.C., the temple of Solomon. Okay. So now we start going through, the, through Solomon's life. He... Um, Basically, he has lots of wives. I can't remember how many. Too many. Um, and they drew his focus away from the Lord. And so God basically told Solomon that I'm going to rip the kingdom out of your hands. Your son will get one kingdom. Someone else will get the rest. And so it gets divided into, by Jeroboam and Rehoboam. That's the right ones, yeah. So we get a split kingdom. We get the south which is Judah, which is ruled by the son of Solomon. And we get the north, which is Samaria. Also, it's called Israel, which is occupied by the rest of the tribes. And God had told the the northern kingdom, that if they follow his ways and do his ways, that he will bless them. Okay. The only place that worship could be done was the temple in Jerusalem. Okay. So the temple in Jerusalem was the only place that offerings could be offered, sacrifice could be offered, worship to the Lord could be done. All of the festivals were to bring people to Jerusalem. Okay. The northern kingdom, the king there was... Um, afraid that he would lose control of his people, so he built his own temple. He built his own 
religious system, had his own priests. So, so this north becomes uh, basically its own separate entity. In fact, the north and the south fight against each other. So Jews fighting Jews. Okay, so moving along, nation of Assyria takes the northern kingdom destroys their city, wipes them out, and takes all the people into captivity. Okay. Kingdom of the South, a little while later, under Babylon, same thing happens. This is like a nine, let me get to the eight, five, eighty-seven B.C. So both the north and the south going, end up going into captivity. And why is that? What have they done? Disobedience. What's the primary disobedience that they're... Huh? False gods. False gods, right. Idolatry. Yep. They're worshiping everything, every rock, every plant, anything you can think of. So they go into captivity in 587 B.C. What's that? They did, yeah, with the, with the local people. Yep, they did. They basically did everything God told them not to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, remember in the, in the book of uh, Romans, there's a passage that says, it basically describes the nature of mankind. It says, no one is righteous, no one seeks after God, no one is good, and it just goes on. No one, no one, no one. That um, mankind left to his own devices cannot know or seek God, cannot um, be righteous. Simply God's call. Okay. And the Jews were, turns out, were no different. Okay. So about 70 years later, let me write this up here again. Uh, nation. Jerusalem. Okay, so when, uh, when um, Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, came in and destroyed or captured the people, he destroyed Jerusalem and he destroyed the temple. Okay. So that would be in that, that date there, 587. And Everybody's taken into captivity. Okay. So the nation, 70 years later, or 70 years past, under, anybody remember his name? Cyrus? Is it C-Y? He's a Persian king. Remember the, the Babylonians were captured by the Persians. You know, you got this list of things that happened. The Assyrians are captured by the Babylonians. The Babylonians are captured by the Persians. The Persians are captured by the Greeks. The Greeks are conquered by the Romans. And the Romans are basically just kind of go away and become all the rest of the European uh, entities there. So Cyrus, king of Persia, gives an edict telling the people that they can go back to the land of Israel and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, rebuild their temple. That's the books of Nehemiah and Ezra. So rebuild. 
So Jerusalem is rebuilt. And the temple is rebuilt. However, the new temple, there's no indication that God's presence ever dwelled in that temple. If you look, read all this, you know, anything involved with uh, Zerubbabel was the guy who did it, who engineered it. Uh, first of all, the temple was smaller than Solomon's. A lot of people were upset about that. Um, but God's presence never seemed to occupy that temple. Okay. So his presence, I, I, I left that out, I'm sorry. Just before Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, if you look in the book of Ezekiel, there's a passage that talks about, um, in fact, we can look at that real quick. Um, let's see. Yes? Yep. Um, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant somehow disappears. It's not present in the new temple. You don't even see it after that. Um, so... As far as where the Ark of the Covenant is, nobody knows. There's a lot of theories. Um, but, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? <laughs> uh, so, the, yeah, a lot of the artifacts were, let, were, you know, bowls. It talks about bowls, plates, all those kinds of things. Those went to, to Babylon, and those probably came back. But things like the Ark of the Covenant kind of disappeared. Yep. Could be, yeah, because he's not there. Yep, okay. Yeah, if you look at, uh, turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 10. Ezekiel, chapter 10. Basically, if we, if we look in the uh, beginning of verse 1 of chapter 10 of Ezekiel, and remember, Ezekiel is a book that's written um, during the time of the exile. Okay? Um, it says, I looked and saw the likeness of the throne of sapphire above the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim. The Lord said to the, to the man clothed in linen, Go among the wheels beneath the cherubim, fill your hands with burning coals, from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city as I watched and went. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. The cloud filled the temple and the, the court was full of the radiance and glory of the Lord. The sound of the wings of the cherubim could be heard as far away as the outer court, like the voice of the Almighty when he speaks. When the Lord commanded the man in linen, take fire from among the wheels. Uh, let's see, can I get the right verse here? Let's see, I want to go to verse 4. Yep. And then if you go down to verse 15, then the cherubim rose upward and were, and were the living creatures I had seen in the Kiber River. When the cherubim moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the cherubim spread their wings, the rising of the ground, the cherubim stood still. They were also stood still and went. When the cherubim rose, they rose and them with them, because the spirit of living creatures was in them. The glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the temple. 
So the glory of the Lord leaves the temple just prior to its destruction. And it appears it never returns. At least, yeah, I, you don't see it anywhere. Okay. Makes sense? Okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. Moving along. So now we're going into the period, what's called the, you might say the post-exilic period or the intertestament period. There's, you know, it's, it's, there's not really much that's written about it. If you look in uh, the, you know, there's the book of the Maccabees and stuff like that in the Apocrypha, which you can read, which talk about the period somewhat. But basically there's not a lot said. The ne next major event that's going to occur, as far as biblical history goes, is Jesus is going to be born. The nation of Israel isn't a nation. They're ruled over by any of a number of different people. Well, at this point, they're being ruled over by the Greeks, and they will be ruled over by the Romans. After the Romans, it's going to be the Ottomans, then it's the British. You know, a whole list of people will rule the Jews. Okay. All right, so we have a rebuilt temple, and that's going to be rebuilt by Herod, the great... And that's going to be the temple that's in Jerusalem when Jesus arrives. Okay. And that temple, it's really interesting. Um, he built it. He, he basically wanted to expand it and make it bigger. Uh, the Temple Mount wasn't big enough. And so he built a wall, a retaining wall around the temple. And then, of course, brought in dirt, filled in. That you know, was a good you know, builder would do. And then he built the temple inside that wall. And so when you see pictures of the Jews at the western wall uh, today, north, south, this would be west, and west. That's that retaining wall. And that's the closest that they can get to the temple. But we'll come back to that in a second. So Herod the, temple, Herod the Great builds a wall around the temple, builds a new temple, and that's the temple that's in place when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. They basically, what, what they have is a, the, the Temple Mount was flat, but then it, it rolls off on the sides. And so in order to make it bigger, they had to fill in the roll-off part and make a big flat surface on top. They just added rocks, dirt, you know, whatever else they could find probably. Yeah. And so the retaining wall was there to hold all the dirt and stuff in, make the temple bigger. Right. Okay. So this is at the time of Jesus. Whoops. Sorry about that. And so that's going to go to about somewhere around 30 AD when Jesus is crucified. Um, Jerusalem obviously is rebuilt, but it's under the control of the Romans. In fact, Jerusalem will not be under Israel's control until basically the modern age when it's really not under their control. It's partially under their control. Okay. All right, so now we go to, so Jesus is crucified. And in 70 AD, a Roman by the name of Titus destroys Jerusalem and destroys the temple. So the, Herod, the temple of Herod is destroyed. 
and Jerusalem is destroyed. The story goes that the, the temple was covered with gold, and so they basically burnt the temple, and as they did so, the gold melted and went between the stones, and so to get the gold out, they tore the temple apart, get all the gold. Okay. So in 70 AD, there is no temple, there is no Jerusalem, and so as we head towards the present age, Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt. Not by the Jews, but by everybody else. The temple is going to remain destroyed. And the nation of Israel is going to basically just be a, uh, a group of people living everywhere until May of 19... What year was that? 1958, was it? No, 48, 1948. And in May of 1948, the United Nations, um, because of basically everything went off during World War II, uh, gives Israel a sovereign rule. Okay. And so they now occupy the land of Israel. And after May 1948, basically it's this war after war after war. Every neighbor they have doesn't like them there and is trying to get rid of them. So we're now into the modern era, which is, you know, terrorists, car bombers, all this kind of stuff that's going on, people shooting rockets into Jerusalem, into the, into the Jewish sector, um, the Jews shooting back, and then, of course, all the politics that goes along with that of, you know, the U.S. being, what, the major defender of Israel in the world, and... So that's kind of where we are today. Yes? In the time of Hitler, what was his main reason to eliminate the uh, Nazi Germany? Um, well, okay. He had several motives. One was eugenics, but that had probably nothing to do with them. He was basically had, he was empowered, I think, bottom line, he was empowered by Satan. And Satan's, uh, Satan's one of his goals is to destroy Israel. Why would Satan want to destroy Israel? What's that? Remember, Israel was a nation God chose out of every nation to be his people. They're called the apple of his eye. So that was God's focus. God's focus was on the nation of Israel. So what would Satan like to do? Destroy his focus. Yeah, turn to uh, Revelation chapter 12. I want to look at a passage here. I think will help make, make sense. Of, well, hopefully it makes sense. Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to start at verse 1 of chapter 12. And this, this, this passage basically is historic and prophetic. Does that make sense? The first part of it is stuff that's already happened. The second part is stuff that's going to happen. So, Revelation chapter 12, beginning of verse 1, it says, A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain, and she was about to give birth. Okay, first of all, so we have the first character in this passage is a woman who has twelve stars on her head, 
clothes of the sun, moon under her feet. She's pregnant, about to give birth. Okay. And we'll, we'll identify that in a second. It'll make sense in just a little bit, if it doesn't already. Okay. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns on his heads. His, his tail swept away a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment he was born. Okay. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who would rule the nations with a scepter of iron. Okay, so first of all, let's identify who her son is. A male child who would rule the nations with a scepter of iron. Okay, that's Jesus. Okay. So this is the birth of Jesus. Okay. Satan is waiting to devour her son the minute he's born. So if we go back, who is the woman? Nation of Israel. Yeah. Twelve crowns would be the twelve tribes. Uh, uh, the moon and the sun, I'm not quite sure of all that. Um, nonetheless, the nation of Israel is the, per is the nation from whom... Jesus will come. And if you notice back in the beginning, he's, he's waiting to devour her child. Okay. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nation with an iron of iron, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Okay. And that occurs when? After his resurrection. Yeah, 40 days after his resurrection. He's snatched up. Remember the the passage in Hebrews, it says, Jesus, after he had made atonement for sin, sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. Uh, Stephen, when he's being stoned, he looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Okay. He professes that to the Jews, and of course that makes him really mad. But nonetheless, uh, the woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might dwell for 1,260 days. Okay, so here we have a picture of Satan. His goal is to destroy, basically destroy everything that God has made. Destroy Christ, destroy Israel, destroy anything that God holds dear, which currently is us as well. Okay, right. Okay, so where are we at? Dome of the Rock, I don't know when it was built. Um, anybody know? Um, Dome of the Rock, okay, if you look at the Temple Mount today, there's two uh, Muslim shrines. One's the Dome of the Rock, and one is the Asi-Aji, something like that. It's like the third most sacred site in Islam. Okay. Dome of the Rock is built over a rock that supposedly is where Muhammad when he ascended into paradise. No? Oh. <laughs> Anyways. It's a non-issue. There we go. Yeah, so, but those are two um, um, religious sites for Islam. And so the Jews are denied access to the Temple Mount. 
So that's why they go to the, what's called the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall, because that's as close as they can get to the temple. And so they're going to worship in the temple. Well, they can't. They can't get there. And so they go to the wall and they worship. So that's why you see all the pictures of them worshiping at, at the Western Wall. Okay, so in our current state, we have Israel as a nation. And if you look at the amount of land they occupied versus the amount of land God gave them, it's a fraction of that. Jerusalem is, exists. And the temple is destroyed. This is, this is now. Okay, so what I'd like to have you do now is turn to the book of Daniel. And we've gone through this uh, passage before in the past, but we're going to do it again. Should have stapled these together. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9. And Daniel is... Uh, he was a prophet. He was part of the exiles that went into Babylon. Uh, the book of Daniel is written from Babylon. And um, a lot of people look at Daniel's book and say, nah, he really wasn't an, an exile to Babylon. He lived basically at the time of Christ and wrote it historically. Because there's so many historical references within the book of Daniel that are for him would have been prophetic, but they're right on. And people say, well, that can't happen. Yeah, well, they don't know God. So, okay, so Daniel chapter 9. Okay, Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse 20. No, not 20. 24, sorry. Verse 24. So we have this passage which says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression and to put an end to sin. Okay. So let's get our transparency up here. So 77s. So that could be confusing, but we'll get to that. Um, first of all, so this is, the, this is Daniel. So we're talking to Daniel. And what nation is Daniel from? Israel. Israel. Okay, so he's a Jew. Shorter. Okay. Um, and so this passage says what? 77s are decreed for your people. So your people would be? nation of Israel. So we've got the nation of Israel. Okay. 
And what's going to happen? And your holy city, what's a holy city? Jerusalem. So we've got two things here. So, nation of Israel and Jerusalem. To finish transgression. What's transgression? Doing wrong things, right? Being disobedient to God's law. So they're going to finish. I'm just going to put disobedience. Finish disobedience. Put an end to sin. So end sin. Um, atone for wickedness. And bring in everlasting righteousness. Okay, so basically four things are going to be accomplished in this 77s. Okay. Um, when we're talking about 77s, we're talking about sevens of years. So if you read on, so just kind of get your brain to wrap around that these are not just numbers, but they're actually years, okay? It says, no one understand this, okay? So this he said, from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, okay? So under the Persians, remember we said that um, Israel came back from captivity, at least the, the southern kingdom did, the kingdom of Judah, and a decree is made by one of the kings, we're not going to worry about the decree or who it was, that they could rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. So there's going to be a decree. To rebuild Jerusalem. And it says, um, restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one the ruler comes, okay, and the anointed one would be who? It's a capitalized, so what do you think it is? Okay. So from this decree to, should have went the other way, but that's okay. To Jesus coming, okay, uh, there will be seven sevens, 62 sevens and 62 sevens, okay? So in this period of time, from here to here, seven sevens and 62 sevens. Okay, so seven sevens is seven years. And 62 sevens, yeah, if you multiply that out, I did that somewhere. 400 and somebody want to do that? Two sevens are 14, carry the one, six sevens are 42. 434 years. So you add that together, add the 7 to the 4 to that, and it comes out to 441 years, 51 years. Okay. So we're looking at a period of time uh, of 7 years, followed by 62 sevens of years, which is 434 years. Okay. Uh, some say the 7 years is basically how long it took to rebuild Jerusalem. That may or may not, may not be true. Nonetheless, if we add up all of these years and use the Jewish calendar, which is 30 days per month, yada, yada, all that. Um, this period of time ends 
the day that Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, on the donkey. So this is a period. This period of time is going to be from when Jerusalem is rebuilt until Jesus comes into Jerusalem, uh, and they proclaim him to be king, but instead they crucify him. If you notice, it goes on to say, uh, it were, "Okay, I'm sorry. Let me back a little bit. No one understand this. From the issuing of a decree to rebuild in Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens." It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. And if you look at the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, look at basically the, book, the building of Jerusalem. Remember, they're standing in a wall with a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other hand because all the surrounding nations don't want them to rebuild the city. So it's exactly what's described here in the book of Daniel. Um, after the 627s, the anointed one will be cut off and have nothing. So the anointed one, which is Jesus, is going to be cut off, killed, and have nothing. He's not going to be the king. The Jews are looking for a king. He's not it at that time. Okay. Okay. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So that is talking about Titus. So in 70 AD, Titus is going to come in, destroy Jerusalem, destroy the, 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 the temple, and the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end of desolations has been decreed. If you think about what's happened since that time, it's just been war after war after war. Okay. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, disease, all that kind of stuff. All right, so we've ended up with 69 of the sevens are gone. There's one seven left. And then it goes on to say, war will continue. Okay, he, so now we've got a guy named he. Need bigger transparencies, I guess. Okay, so it says, he will confirm a covenant with the many for one seven. So he's going to make a covenant with the many. One seven, so seven years. But in the middle of the seven, so if we draw a line here and say this is seven years, in the middle... He will put an end to sacrifice and offering. So at this point in time, okay. And where does sacrifice and offering take place in the nation of Israel? Temple. Okay. So this is saying that there is a temple. Okay. Um. And one, and one who causes desolation will place abomination in the wing of the temple until the end is decreed and poured out of him. So he's going to put an abomination. In a wing of the temple. Okay. 
you turn to Matthew 24, we'll come back, just kind of hold your finger there if you can. And Matthew 24 is a passage um, where Jesus' disciples are talking to him. And if you look on, let's see, which one do I want to do? If you look at verse 3, it says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and privately, Tell us, they said, when will, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they're wanting to know when the end of age is going to come, when Christ is going to return. This is after he's been uh, crucified. Okay. And Jesus answered and basically gives them a scenario of things that are going to happen. Okay. But if you look at verse 15, he gives them a warning. It says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Basically, he's telling them, when you see this, leave the city. It's not going to be good. And he goes on to talk about Sabbaths and people who are pregnant and so forth. So this man, this he, is a person who's going to do this. Oops. He's going to put an end to sacrifice and offering, and he's going to set up an abomination in the temple. Okay. All right. You still don't know who he is, but nonetheless, he's coming. Okay, okay let's, uh, how do I, uh, yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's go to Second uh, Thessalonians two. Um, any questions on so far? Is this kind of making sense? Okay. Did some people believe that it's Titus who's coming? That Titus was. Um, I guess they could believe that. I'm not sure how they would do that. I mean, I know. Yeah, that, yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but um, the the time the timing would be all off. Because if you know, if they look at the back, if look at well, he just he destroyed the temple before, and then the abomination is set up after in a temple. So it wouldn't make sense that Titus would do that because he just destroyed where he was going to set it up. Does that make sense? You know, if you look at, if you look at the chronology in Daniel, the ruler comes, destroys the city and the temple, and then this he shows up sets up the abomination and puts an end to sacrifice and offering. So it's like you'd have to flip the two to make it work for Titus. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Second Thessalonians. And we're going to go chapter 2. And... Um, First and Second Thessalonians, obviously, letters written by Paul to the church at Thessalonica, and Paul is uh, encouraging them, telling them some things, but he's also talking about this coming of the Lord. So, if you look at chapter two, verse one, 
It says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. So what's, what's, he, what's he saying to them here, first of all? What's, what's their fear? What's that? False reports. False reports. Reports that have told them that Christ has already come, and you missed it. You know, it's kind of like the left behind books, right? Um, and so they're, they're concerned that they have missed the coming of the Lord and they're being gathered to him. Okay. Uh, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day of the Lord will not come until... Okay, so we've got this day of the Lord. We'll deal with that as well. And it's not going to come until, big word there. Okay. So that means Christ is not going to return until, the day of the Lord is not going to come until, and so what's the until said? Don't let me deceive you until the rebellion occurs. Okay, so there's going to be a rebellion. So this until involves a rebellion. Uh, some call it apostasy. Uh, some versions. Um, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So the second thing on this is a man of lawlessness. Man of lawlessness is the he from the book of Daniel. He's the one who sets up the abomination that causes desolation from the book of Matthew and the book of Daniel. Okay. So this man of lawlessness must be revealed. And the reason we can kind of say that, if you read on, it says, um, first of all, he's doomed to destruction. That was talked about in Daniel as well, till the end decreed upon him is poured out. He opposes and sets, insults himself over everything over everything that is called God or is worshipped and even sets himself up in God's temple from claiming himself to be God. So this he is going to set himself up in the temple. He's going to proclaim himself to be I am God. Okay. Okay, so this he... It's going to be the man of lawlessness. He's going to set up the abomination that causes desolation in the temple. He's going to end sacrifice and offering. And he's going to do that for three and one half years. Or 42 months. Or 1,260 days. You'll find those numbers throughout the book of Revelation and other places as well. Okay. Right? So far? Making sense? This is all future events. Okay, hasn't occurred yet. So the book of Daniel starts with historic stuff. Uh, Jerusalem, its destruction, all these things happen. Titus, that's all historic. But then when we go to this last seven years, that's sometime in the future. We're going to have to get through the seven years in order to get to the millennium. That's why that's kind of we're going this way. Okay. 
And we're out of time, so we have to stop there and, and pick it up next time. Okay. Any questions so far? Is it kind of making sense? So basically, we're focusing on the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, and the temple. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So this guy has to have a temple. There isn't one in Jerusalem at the present time. Not only that, those who occupy the temple mount are somewhat hostile towards the Jews. And so if they said, hey, can we build a temple up here? They'd say, eh, not, not likely. Okay. So something is going to have to happen to change their mind. If you think about this, the, the, the passage in Thessalonians, if you look at that passage, why would Paul write it? First of all, he's writing it to encourage the Thessalonians that Jesus hasn't come yet, that the day of the Lord has not come yet. But he's also making some stipulations. He's not saying, well, it can come any time. There is, there is a philosophy out there that the, the day of the Lord will come at a time you don't know, and it will catch everybody at surprise. Well, if you look at Scripture, that's all wrong. And this is also, if you will, flying in the face of that. Because Paul is saying, it's not going to come until. Well, if he says until, that means there are signs you will see that will precede the coming of the Lord. And so it's not going to, you know, it's, in fact, he talks about in Thessalonians, he said, you're not people of the night. That is, the world doesn't have a clue what's going on. We do. Because we've got the word of God. If we look at the Word of God, read what it says, it says, you will not be caught unawares. The day of the Lord will come when it comes, and you will know it's coming because these events will precede it. And like Lori said, another event that's going to precede it is there has to be a temple built in Jerusalem. Make sense? Okay. So that's where we are right now. We're waiting for a temple to be built. The Jews would like one. Well, they don't really care, I guess. But they are, they are collecting things for when the temple is rebuilt so they can, again, go back to their system of offerings and sacrifices. Okay. Remember, the Jews are still under the law, except those that have come to know Christ. So the Jews as a nation are still a nation that is under law, and they still have the priesthood, they still have all the trappings, and so when the temple is rebuilt, they're going to go back to doing what they've so go back to sacrifice yep okay and we're going to look at that that's that's a big part of what's confusing about the millennium okay we'll, i'll leave you with that right now okay so we'll stop there let's close in prayer